Welcome to A Second Chance at Life. I am your host, Arvella Beckworth. Adversity can oftentimes feel isolating, especially if you're the strong friend like me. I created this podcast to be your accountability partner and strategist, giving you the tools to build and enjoy the life of your dreams. Each week, you'll hear motivating stories, life-changing interviews, along with actionable tips and strategies that you can apply to do life over again. So whether this is your second, third, or even fourth chance, it's always a great time to start over and build better. Now, let's get to work. Welcome to a Second Chance at Live podcast. I'm your host, Arvilla Beckworth, and welcome to another interview. Now, as we continue on with this series, I wanted to bring this expert on regarding relationships. As we get older, we've all been through relationships, whether good or bad, but sometimes we've either been through or currently going through a toxic relationship. So I wanted to bring someone else on to talk specifically about that because the one thing that us as women, even mothers, sometimes we nurture things on too long that it can get to the red zone. So let me bring up my guest one second. Hi. Hey, Siobhan, girl. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, would you mind telling my audience a little bit about you? I don't mind at all. Hey, everybody tuning in. My name is Siobhan Jack. I am a licensed mental health counselor, a licensed professional counselor, and also a national certified counselor. What those credentials mean, basically, I am a licensed therapist in the state of Florida and Virginia. And then I also took extra tests and paid extra money to prove that I know what I know. <laughs> so I get the <laughs> national certified counselor. Um, I have my own business, which is Creating New Counseling Services. It's a Black-owned private practice. And the goal is within a couple of years to expand and add other therapists, under my umbrella who can service more clients because obviously as much as I love therapy, I can't service everybody. So I want to bring other people on board to help with that. Um, I specialize in relationships, whether they are premarital, marital problems, um, new relationships, etc. I also specialize in anxiety, depression, trauma, and family counseling as well. I've been a therapist since 2015. Um, I'm married. I have a five-year-old son. I love bodybuilding. <laughs> well, I love to eat, lift weights, lift heavy weights. And I'm very, very, very passionate about anime. I love, love, love anime. And I love scary movies. And oddly enough, I actually find scary movies very relaxing. With all your credentials, I know you've seen a lot of people come through, especially with relationships. So, um, what is your definition of a toxic relationship and how can someone identify if they're currently or have been through a toxic relationship? So a toxic relationship is a relationship that I like to tell this to clients. I'm going to get just a tiny bit graphic, just a tiny bit. Um, everybody has to go to the bathroom, right? And Doctors say it's healthy to have a bowel movement to poop, right? Um, one to three times a day, which I think three is excessive, but hey, they say that's normal. So at least it's once a day, right? 
Right. Um, and the thing about waste in our body, we have to get rid of it because if we don't, it is literally toxic. It literally can harm us and God forbid, but possibly kill us. So I like to use that analogy with toxic relationships. It's any relationship that you're in that the dynamic between you and the person can literally bring about damage, catastrophic damage, even God forbid, but possibly death. Now, when I say death, it doesn't have to mean just physical because unfortunately there are relationships that are very dangerous and domestic violence is very real and physical death does occur. But it doesn't have to be physical, y'all. It can be emotional death. It can be mental death, psychological death. So if you feel like you just aren't the same person anymore, you feel like the relationship isn't helping you to thrive at all. If you feel like the relationship is requiring so much energy out of you and so much effort and it never feels good enough, chances are you are in a toxic relationship. Um, the second part of your question, Arvilla, is how do you identify, right? Mm-hmm. So everything I just said about feeling different, but also if you notice drastic changes. So maybe you don't talk to your friends or family as much. Maybe you don't feel as lively as you were before. Maybe there's more control over finances. You're not allowed to spend as much as you did before. Or if you do spend, there's always some type of slick or undermining comments about your spending, so you've scaled back on it. Um, If you find that you yourself just don't feel the same and it feels negative, it's a toxic relationship. Now, what are some of the common patterns or behavior that occur in a toxic relationship? So some of the common patterns are going to be, first of all, it's almost always about control. Now, control doesn't have to mean a physical sense where there's domestic violence going on from a physical aspect. It can be emotional and mental control as well. So if your partner purposely doesn't validate your feelings, Mm -hmm. if they gaslight you, and I want to take a quick sidebar because gaslighting has become a new buzzword. Yes, it has. The great thing about mental health is... There's more awareness now, and it can help to break down stigma. And if you don't know what stigma is, it's basically a fancy word, meaning any kind of judgments or misconceptions about something. So people say, oh, I'm going to go talk to my therapist. I'm going to talk to Siobhan. People, if they have stigma, would think, oh, are you crazy or what's wrong with you? You need help? Like, you have problems? That's not true. I Most of my clients are very, very high functioning. They do not have psychosis, et cetera. Therapy is not always something just for, and I'm using it very loosely and using air quotes, crazy people because they're mm. not crazy. Mm-hmm. There's a mental illness. That's it. But that's the thing about stigma. When you get buzzwords, unfortunately, it adds to stigma. So Gaslighting has become a big buzzword and you'll hear it thrown around so loosely. And I promise you guys, all of you beautiful viewers listening, eight times out of 10, you're using the word gaslighting wrong. Mm. Lying is not gaslighting. Lying is just lying. Lying. Okay. The reasons why people lie. Gaslighting is when you are purposely 
trying to manipulate and control somebody. Thus, you are invalidating, possibly lying, more than likely lying, but you're doing it because there's an end, there's a mean to the end, if you will. So, for example, um, I know everyone can't see this, but I have a pen in my hand. And Aravella, please say that you see the pen. Tell me something about the pen. Oh, okay, so you got a, is it a clear with black pen tip on it? I don't know what you're talking about. There's you no sure? I see here. black on the bottom and black on the top and clear in between. I am absolutely sure. I don't know if maybe you're just envisioning a pen. Maybe it sounds like it's something that you want me to have, but I do not have a pen in my hand. Mm, okay, so I must be crazy. I think I see I mean, why would you? Why, why would you even think I had a pen? Like, do you want me to go get a pen for you? I don't understand why you're even thinking about that. Mm. There's no pen, literally. So that's how they so, play it. With that example, yes, you literally saw I had a pen. I had it right up by my face right. the whole time I spoke. But I lied by saying I don't have it. But then I made sure I invalidated you. I undermined what you said. And I, I made it more personal. Why would you think I had a pen? Why, why do you want me to have that? That sounds like something you wish that I had. So at that point, it's a means of control. Because if I can get you to think differently about the pen, you're going to start to doubt yourself. So then when you do catch me in a future lie, I can just weave a web out of it, right? And right. get you to doubt yourself more. Thus, you'll start trusting me more and trusting yourself less. Mm. That's the point of gaslighting, to get the victim to doubt themselves so the perpetrator, the person who is gaslighting, can be elevated, they can be exalted, they can be viewed as intelligent, strong, whatever they need to be viewed as, so they can get the victim to do what they want to do or what they need to do. I've never well, heard gaslighting put that way. That's exactly what it is. But if, you know, I just say, oh, no, I don't have a pen and that's it. I'm lying. Right, <laughs> I mean, right. Form, it, it's it's the, the baby form, if you will, the infancy form of gaslighting. But there needs to be more emphasis put behind there to control you, basically. So gaslighting is a big sign of toxic relationship. Um, some other red flags, right, of, of toxic relationships would be changes in your own behavior as well. So if you feel that you are not as lively as before, you're not as confident, or you don't feel safe, which is a very big one, that's a problem. Also with toxic relationships with couples that I've spoken to, I've noticed that there's a lot of codependency as well. Mm -hmm. So someone who doesn't feel very confident in themselves and they're looking to someone who they perceive as stronger or better or something more of what that person is not themselves, they become more codependent. So codependent people typically, unfortunately, are more prone to being in toxic relationships as well. Now, can you discuss the impact of a toxic relationship on one's mental health? Yes, it's significant. Arvel is very significant. When you're in a toxic relationship, it is literally a trauma. And if I take a brain scan, an MRI of someone's brain who has had trauma and someone who has not, 
literally different centers of the brain physically light up. It physiologically changes your actual brain composition. So the physical part is important because when the brain physically changes, it also changes things such as personality, behavior, thoughts, etc. Now, some emotional impacts, definitely trust. It's going to be more difficult for you to trust others because you're remembering what happened to you before. You can be shut off or withdrawn or isolate more, not really having a desire to socialize at all. It can affect your job. It affects your performance. You're not really showing up. Maybe it's harder for you to get out of bed and go to work because you're so bogged down from the stress of the toxic relationship. Another way that impacts your mental health, literally your belief system. Your belief system is so important because it is what drives your thoughts and your actions and your feelings. That is literally what the belief system is, a fancy word for all those three things being combined. So if I feel that I'm able to go and lift 50 pounds in the gym when this call is over, nine times out of 10, I would be able to lift it. Now I've been practicing, right? And lifting it repeatedly. But the only reason that I've been lifting it repeatedly and I know I'm able to do it is because I thought I could do it to begin with. And even at that first day, I'm like, oh my gosh, 50 pounds is way too heavy, but I know I can do it if I try. Let me start at 25 and work my way up. Still, my belief system was responsible for putting in place very specific steps for me to get to the 50 pounds. So when you're in a toxic relationship, your belief system changes. You don't feel as confident. You don't feel as capable. You don't feel as aware and you don't even trust yourself especially when you're aware you're in a toxic relationship, you're questioning, how did I get in this? How the heck do I get out of this? Why is this happening to me? And it affects the way that you show up in the world in every single way possible. If you you have children, you're not able to give your best to them because your best is being taken away by your relationship. If you have pets, You're not as loving with your pets. You know, there's always a part of you that is taken away from a toxic relationship. And you've also, Arvilla, began to transform. Because you're not yourself anymore, you are starting to look at, hmm, how do I, as Siobhan, and this is just for the example, how do I show up in my toxic relationship to try to make it better? So do I need to be more lively, more outgoing? Do I need to be more willing to engage in physical intimacy? Because that's what my partner wants, even though I don't feel like it. Um, Do I need to cook more, clean more? Do I just need to say yes more and, and, you know, become a little bit more subservient, right? Just a little bit more submissive. Maybe that will make my partner not be as aggressive, or maybe it'll help them to change. And newsflash, everyone listening, you cannot make your partner change. Never, ever, ever, you can't. Can you be an incentive for them to change? Absolutely. Can you be encouragement? Absolutely. But you yourself can't make them change and you'll never be the reason for them to change. That has to be internal. But when we're in toxic relationships, we constantly feel we can do something to manipulate the outcome of the relationship and to get our partner to be less toxic. And it's just not true. It can't happen. They have to do the work themselves. 
And how can therapy help someone heal from trauma of a uh, toxic relationship? It can help um, just tremendously. I have so many clients that I meet uh, on a weekly basis, literally, who have been in relationships that were toxic. And we talk about what they've been through. Because Mm -hmm. one thing you have to realize with toxicity, remember when I said it changes your belief system and how you show up every day after that? You don't feel as capable and the belief system becomes permanent because you constantly feel this is what's happened because of blank and you start to adopt it and it's concrete. So then you think, okay, well, my last relationship was toxic because I felt that I didn't do enough. My partner always blamed me. So my next relationship, I'm going to do more, right? You're changing who you are, trying to do more, trying to overcompensate when it wasn't about you to begin with. It was what your partner needed to heal from, but because they couldn't heal from it, they blamed you. That's a fancy definition of projection, basically. So when that happens and you come to therapy, I and other therapists help you to unlearn those belief systems and also to dig to the root. Why did the relationship happen to begin with? Now, I want to give a disclaimer. That doesn't mean that it's your fault because you're never responsible for somebody else's behavior. But a lot of times we do attract certain people to us because we have unmet needs. So if we feel a need to be loved, for example, we will seek out somebody who is loving, but their definition of loving may not be the right definition of loving. For example, and I'm sure you probably heard of this, maybe it's happened to you in the past, you're in a relationship and your partner has a tracking app. And I know that sounds really far-fetched and out there to people like, oh no, I would never let them have a tracking app on me, but this is how it happens. There's an app called Life360 Mm -hmm. and I have a lot of clients and a lot of families who use it. Uh, They have teenagers who are driving, you know, and it's like, hey, if you're going to be driving my car, I need to know where you're at, child. (laughs) Right. When you have the car, turn the Life360 on, you know, and and I do think that that is fair. I think it is okay. But like all things, moderation, right? So a lot of couples will use Life360 or if they don't have the app, it's with iPhone users, send me your location. Or, oh, we are like such best friends or we're on such good terms. We always have each other's location. I am telling you now as a therapist, there is no need to have Life360 or tracking apps or location sent to your partner unless it's truly a safety issue. Meaning if you are going out of town by yourself or you're getting in an Uber or a Lyft, I don't even know what other driving services there are, but you know, something like that. And you want your partner to know, hey, I'm getting in this Uber so you can know where I'm at, God forbid, in case something happens. That can be a safety issue. But just to have their location, absolutely, positively not. Get rid of it. Don't do it. Because it gives a false sense of security. You think because you know where they are, you can trust them more. You know what they're doing. Well, they're not at somebody else's house or they're not, you know, messing around doing X, Y, Z. 
Y'all, it's 2023. There's so many ways to fake your location. You know, you can leave your phone at your friend's house to prove that you are where you told your partner, but really you're somewhere else where you shouldn't be. Mm. So how are you really securing in, in the knowledge that that person is doing what they're supposed to do? Right. Right. You get what I'm saying, Arvilla? It's yep. just no need for it. And also, it's unrealistic to believe that we can always have access to know where people are. You don't know. I'm here doing this interview with you. Thank you for having me. My husband is at work. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that he might not really be at work. Right. Um, I told him about the interview this morning. Like, oh, hey, I'm going to be unavailable, you know, starting at 12, blah, blah, blah. Um, but knowing him, my little poor sweetheart, he probably forgot. <laughs> He's probably <laughs> already like, hey, thanks for lunch because I cooked last night. But um, there's no way of him knowing that I'm really doing what I'm supposed to be doing technically. Right. And even then, after I'm done with you, I'm going to run some errands. I'm going to go to Publix. Why does he need to know that? I think that helps when you're in a relationship and you're thinking maybe it's toxic. Ask yourself, why? What is the purpose? Why am I, um, why does this exist? The intention for my partner to be aware of certain things. Like start to question the intentionality and the purpose behind a lot of things. Because if it's just to make a person feel better, that they know certain things about you, it's irrelevant. They don't have to know. You have to be comfortable with not knowing things. And I feel like that's actually, Arvilla, what contributes to a lot of toxicity mm-hmm. in relationships in 2023. We have the world at our fingertips. If I want to know what time it is in China, I have Google. You know, if I want to know what the weather is in Florida because I miss it so much, I can ask Alexa. You know, right. we're just so used to everything being readily available to where we expect that same readiness, that same availability in our relationships. And that is toxic. You don't have to always know what's going on with your partner. There's no need for it. And ask yourself, if I do know, what am I trying to do with this information? Am I trying to catch them in a lie? Am I trying to prove something to them? Why? So I think, and and I guess just to wrap that up in a nice little bow, um, when it comes to certain certain red flags, you know, with, with tracking apps, you know, and it's, it's about control, wanting to know what's going on with your partner, to be in the know of everything um, is not healthy. How can someone safely exit a toxic relationship and work on their own healing and personal growth after leaving? So safely exiting, you asked a beautiful question And I'm not sure if you even realize why, because the word safe, that's the biggest thing. My first experience of being a therapist was at a domestic violence shelter in Florida. And it was one of the most um, prominent ones, if you will. Like everyone knew you go to Harbor House if you're trying to leave. And I learned the importance of what's called safety planning. It takes a And I'm going to say women because we're uh, most domestic violence is against women. Now, men are abused for sure, astronomically, but statistics show it's normally, you know, women who are getting abused. Um, So the average woman, it takes seven to 10 times of her leaving before she leaves for good. 
So if you have a friend or a family member, a loved one, someone you know, in a toxic relationship and you've spoken to them about it and they've left like three times and now it's their fourth time going back and about to leave, please be patient. It is not as easy as you think it is. Literally seven to 10 times before they leave for good. Also, if you're listening to this and you are that person who has left multiple times and you've gone back, be patient with yourself. Don't beat yourself up figuratively and even literally because you feel like you keep going back and you're a failure. It takes seven to 10 times. At least you've left that one time, those five previous times, those nine previous times. You're on the verge of your breakthrough. You're going to leave. It is okay. The important word is safely. You know when it's safe enough to leave technically. That is why as a therapist, we are trained. If we have a client in a toxic relationship, we don't tell them, hey, honey, you need to leave now. Because now does not mean safe. You know your partner's patterns. You know when they are in that that phase of the argument where they're very unpredictable or where they're very dangerous. A therapy word, Arvilla, for it is lethality. L-E-T-H-A-L-I-T-Y. So lethal, but it's lethality. How lethal is it? Because you know when it's in the thick of it, you can't leave yet because there's a very increased chance that you may be hurt or worse, possibly deceased. You know the times where your partner's cool now. I'm like, okay, I, I feel a little bit safe. I'm still scared. Safe doesn't mean you're not scared and that there's not a risk, but I feel like this is the best time to leave. So when you look at safely leaving, you want to safety plan. It helps to have a go bag packed already so that when you're ready to go, you don't have to think, oh my gosh, let me get birth certificate and you know passports and social security. Like have things together, have your change of clothes together, have your, your phone, your charger, your key, all those things, right? So you have your safety bag back, but you also need to have a support network, whether it's your therapist, whether it is a domestic violence shelter, like Harbor House, like I used to work at in Florida when I first started, whether it's certain family members. And you need to have at least two or three people that you can go to in case one is not available. Okay. So looking at the lethality of it and having a safety plan, when's the best time to go? And then being able to execute. Sometimes you got to wait. Sometimes you have to wait until your partner's at work or, or they go out to Publix or you're saying, hey, I'm going to go out to Publix to get our groceries. And they're like, OK, because maybe they never question when you go grocery shopping. You know, you always come back with food and that might be your time to go. So when you talk to your support system, you'll be able to literally speak out the patterns of your partner and the patterns that you have that you feel are not questioned as much or like little pockets of opportunity that it is best to leave and take advantage of that. Um, okay, so there was a two-part question, Arvilla. You asked the safety planning, or when is it safe to leave? And, and then uh, uh, how how do you work on your healing and personal growth after you leave? So what are the necessary steps after you finally make that move? Good question. So how you make it, you got to get in therapy. Have to, have to, have to, have to, have to. It's not just, oh, well, because I left, like I'm thriving now. No, because remember, I told you your toxic relationship was traumatic. And because it was a trauma, it 
physiologically change your brain composition. So things are different up there. So you need to talk to someone, a therapist, who can help you understand how things are different up there with your brain and also looking at pitfalls, right? Hey, you're newly single, you're free, congratulations. These are going to be some hard parts of your journey next. Things you didn't think about, like I left, but now I'm in my bed and I'm feeling really lonely. So I'm thinking about going back. I can help you with that. Or Siobhan, my house is just too quiet now. Like, even though my partner was, you know, very abusive or just very nasty and toxic, it's still not a physical presence in the house. And it makes me feel really lonely or unsafe. Or, hey, I'm free. This is great. But I have to make choices now for myself. I was used to someone giving me direction. I don't know what to do. So therapy is going to be your first stop. Um, Also, it helps to look at what type of coping skills you have. What helps you to get through tough times? What are hobbies that can occupy time for when you do feel like going back to that person or you're very depressed or you're crying or you're just emotionally distraught? You don't know what to do. And therapists are really good for helping with that as well. And you want to look at just self-development and growth, period, as a whole journey is not just, okay, because I did this one thing, I'm healed now, or I'm doing better now. It is literally a journey. You're going to go up, you're going to go down, you're going to go sideways, you're going to fall off the roll a little bit, then roll back over, and then crawl, and then run. It's just all over the place, and that's okay. So look at things that you feel will help to nurture your soul. Do you need to read more? Do you need to incorporate your faith more? Do you need to be active? Do you need to drink more water? Do you need to rest more? You need to look at the overall wholeness of it and not just because I left, that means I'm better. And be patient as well. Anyone listening to this, please be patient. I have clients who have left the toxic relationship literally five plus years ago and they're still working through the effects with me. Because remember, it changed your brain composition So that changes the way you think, the way you feel, the way you act. So that takes time. You didn't get in a toxic relationship, Arvilla, in like one day and stayed for three days and left. That took time to build up its toxicity and it took time to get out of it. So it has to take time for you to actually heal. And that's okay. And can you provide some tips for like setting and maintaining healthy boundaries even in a new relationship, because like you said, you're you're probably newly single. The habits and things you did with that partner, you're no longer doing. But now you're itching like you feel like you have to be with somebody else now. So how yes. do we kind of navigate that in, in that direction? That's a beautiful question. Boundaries are your best buddies. Those are triple Bs. Uh, boundaries are your best buddies. They're your best friends. But you know what the problem actually is? People use boundaries wrongly. People feel like boundaries are you just saying how you feel about something and then you use it as a defense mechanism. So just to like push people away and keep people out. That's not what a boundary is. A boundary is a fancy word, meaning you are going to communicate. You're going to observe. You're going to communicate. You're going to realize how you feel and you're telling it to other people so they can understand it and treat you accordingly. 
And if they don't, you're able to make necessary steps. It's really just an accountability tool. It's not about just, oh, I don't want to talk to this person, respect my boundary. It's not that. Because a lot of times the conversation that you don't want to have, that you're using a boundary as an excuse for, is indeed the conversation you really do need to have. So here's a little uh, three-step tool. I'm going to give you two three-step tools. So the first part with boundaries, you need to look at your feeling. How do you feel around this person? And we're talking about toxic relationship, right? Specifically. So how does your partner make you feel? Literally, do you feel like crap around them? Do they put you down? Do you feel like you're not enough? Do you feel like you really need to try harder? Look at your feeling and assess how comfortable you are with the feeling. Then secondly, you're going to have to look at your need. What are your current needs? Are they being met? Are they unmet? And thirdly, you need to look at the ability to be realistic. If I say my boundary is I don't talk to people who I feel have bad energy. Is that realistic? Absolutely not. Because some of my clients have really bad energy (laughs) and I need to talk to them. Because that is my job, right? And I'm sure a lot of you are listening. Your boss probably has really bad energy. And you can't, no negative vibes here. No, sweetheart, you're going to have to encounter that negative vibe. The thing is, you just don't allow the vibe to be attached to you and to change your vibe. That's what that is. So you've got to ask yourself, the boundary I want to put forward, that I want to put in place, is this realistic? Is this something that can actually happen? And not only that, The person I'm asking to respect the boundary, can they actually do it? For example, if you have a mom and she's super toxic, right? She is always putting you down. She doesn't listen. She trauma dumps on you. In a case you don't know what trauma dump means, that means she's going through some type of traumatic experience or some type of um, really emotionally charged, um, impactful scenario, situation, et cetera. And then she calls you or sees you and just blah, 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 and just puts it all over you. Didn't even ask how you're doing. And maybe she did, but it's like, how are you doing? Okay. So let me tell you about your sister today. You know, anything like that. So then you say, okay, my boundaries, I'm going to tell my mom, do not um, trauma dump on me. Right. But this is all that your mom knows. Literally all she knows I think that is beautiful that that's the boundary, but is it realistic if your mom isn't willing to change? No. So then what you have to do is, okay, mom, this is the problem I see. You trauma dump all of the time and I am not willing to do that. So then you can ask yourself, do you want to give her a specific time and space to trauma dump and you limit it? (laughs) Or do you want to tell her, I just don't want you to talk about my sister with any drama, period. Just only let me know when she's doing well. Because if you're expecting your mom to be the super positive Nancy after that boundary, it's not realistic because it's not who she is. So then you need to change how you operate with her. So the first three that I'm giving you guys, look at the feeling, how you're feeling. Look at the need, aka what you're in need of, and look at the ability for it to be realistic. Now, this is how you set an actual boundary. When you're talking to a person who needs to have the boundary, you have to first let them know what they're doing. 
People cannot change what they're unaware of. So Arville, I'm going to use you and I as an example, okay? So it would start off as, uh, let's see, we're going to pretend I'm not married and you are my best friend. And every time we see each other, you're asking me if I found my new man, okay? Okay. So it's Siobhan, did you meet your man yet? Did you go on a date, you know? And I don't like it. You know, it makes me feel insecure. It reminds me I'm single. So how I set the boundaries. First, I highlight your behavior. Hey, Arvilla, come here, bestie. When you do blink. So when you ask me about my imaginary boyfriend, that's the first part. Then second part, you're going to highlight how you feel, which is me, how I feel. I blink. So it's not like this. Arvilla, when you Ask me about my imaginary boyfriend, a.k.a. my singlehood, the man I don't have. I feel very insecure and sad. Now, if you want to, all you beautiful viewers out there, you can go into detail about why you feel that way, but you don't have to. I'm actually a big fan of not explaining because regardless of you explaining it, you're still going to feel the way you feel anyway. So sometimes over explaining can take away from the boundary. And then our villa light becomes really caught up in why I feel insecure. You shouldn't feel insecure, Siobhan. And that technically becomes gaslighting. You're not trying to, but you're telling me, oh, there's no need to feel insecure. Like we all are single at times. Well, we're not talking about all and we, we're talking about me. I feel this way, right? So it's you highlight what the person is doing, then how you feel when the person does that. Then you're going to state what you want. And after you state what you want, then you're going to state a consequence if what you want is not met. It looks like this. Hey, Arvilla, when you ask me about my imaginary boyfriend and my singlehood, I feel very insecure and sad. What I would like to happen is when we meet up for our girl time, when we talk, just don't even ask me about my singlehood. If you're not able to do that and you continue asking me about my singlehood, I will have to go on less dinner dates with you. So the consequence is less dinner dates because what I said I want, which is you not asking me about my fake man, aka singlehood, you didn't do. So I already told you I feel sad and insecure when you do it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So you want to look at that little formula. It's always when you do blank, I feel blank. So what I want is for blank to happen. And if that doesn't happen, then I'm going to blank. Boundaries always end with you. And that's the problem. We don't realize it ends with us. We're like, well, you need to respect my boundaries and you just, you, 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 you. And it's like, no, people don't need <laughs> anything. Would it be amazing? Yeah. But people are people at the end of the day. They're not always thinking about what you need, et cetera. So a boundary is really to hold ourselves accountable, to communicate what we need. And then to say, hey, I'm going to do this if you don't do this. And then you have to, have to please everybody. You have to follow through. I can't tell Arvilla, I'm not going to go on dinner dates with you as much. But then every week I'm still going and you're still asking about my fake man. <laughs> like, right, because right. Because 
you're going to see that I'm not serious about it. And there's going to really be no, no incentive for you to change your behavior either. So when you're in a toxic relationship or even a new one and you're questioning, is this good? Is this not good? You always want to have a boundary, period. So, you know, if your partner touches you in a way that's uncomfortable, it doesn't even have to be in, a, in an intimate way. Like maybe they like to hug or maybe they just like, want to put their arm on your shoulder, you know, things like that. And you just aren't comfortable with touch. You let them know, hey, when you put your hand on my shoulder, I feel very uncomfortable and I would like for you not to do it. And if you can't stop putting your hand on my shoulder, then we're probably not going to work out or this will have to end or we could just be a virtual couple. (laughs) You you, got to stay where your boundaries are. And remember, y'all, boundaries are not always reactive. We always think about like, oh, she said this. They got me messed up. Let me tell them. Boundaries are meant to be proactive. So you should be telling people how you want to be treated from the beginning. And especially when you're dating and you're, you know, we're talking about toxic relationships and you're trying to make sure you're not in one. Say how you want to be treated at the beginning, because if there's a problem with it, it's going to come out at the beginning. And honestly, sometimes people are just really good liars. There are some really good liars out there and they will pretend to be what you want them to be. So they may go with it at first, but eventually every snake has to shed their skin. They never have the same skin for life, literally. So it's going to start coming off and you'll see, wait. They were listening to the boundary at first, but now they're not. What's going on? And at that point, that's when you have to start holding yourself accountable, like I said, with the boundary. And then the relationship needs to break off. And that really goes perfectly into my next question. Are there Mm -hmm. any red flags to watch out for when starting a new relationship to avoid falling into a toxic pattern? Yes, yes. Um, Control is the biggest one. If you feel like your partner is very persistent or insistent on knowing things about you, whether it's your whereabouts, whether it's your past, whether it's I need to know what dreams you have, et cetera, those are red flags because yes, it's nice to know things in general like, oh, well, what do you do? And like, what's your five-year plan? That's okay. But the persistence of it, usually they're just collecting information to try to use against you at some point. Um, If your partner is commenting on what you eat a lot. So say if you love honey buns and it's comments like, you want to really eat another honey bun or you sure you should be eating that or man, watch out. You know, the taste of the lips is a pound on the hips. You know, (laughs) if it's anything smart about what you eat or what you do or how you feel, those are controlling factors. If they are highlighting who you're hanging out with. I really don't like this friend of yours. I don't think this friend is on your level. Man, your mom can really um, be such a you-know-what, you know? Um, Just anything negative that way to try to isolate you from people or to get you to look at them differently, it's usually because they want to isolate you at some point. That's a big red flag. Gaslighting, of course. That's manipulation. That's control. If there's codependence, that's a red flag. Sometimes toxic relationships are not about abuse. Sometimes it's literally just too much codependence. So if your partner is extremely insecure, if they're always looking to you to make decisions, especially for the relationship or for them, if they 
always want you to be home at a certain time because y'all always have to do things together. If they feel like you're working way too much because they want more time for y'all to be together, that's codependent. That's a red flag. Now, here's the thing, Arbella, about codependence. It can be worked through. If you are codependent or your partner's codependent, yes, there's a good chance it's some toxicity there, but it doesn't mean you have to automatically negate the relationship. Go to a therapist together and the codependent person needs to go to a therapist by themselves as well and see if you can work through it. Because I have plenty of couples and people in general who've done that and the relationship worked out just fine. They just needed some additional help. That's okay. But codependence is a sign of toxicity. Um, some other things, look at your responses. Are you changing? Are you trying to be something that you're not? Are you feeling like you need to prove yourself or protect yourself more? Are you feeling very defensive? Are you being secretive? Are you trying to hide things? Um, your responses and how you show up are a good indicator of whether that relationship is working for you or not. Another thing with toxic relationships you want to look out for is the person solely relying on the relationship for their purpose. So is it this relationship is everything for me? Like, yeah, they might have some friends, but they might fall to the wayside or they just completely just ignore the friends, you know, and they're devoting everything to the relationship. I will be married to my husband this June for seven years. And this October will be, we will have been together for 13 years. I still have my own life. Okay, I'm letting you know that now. And I love my husband. My son is five years old. He's the light of my life. But nah, y'all are not the end all be all for me. Because I was born Siobhan and God forbid I die anytime soon. But I'm going to die Siobhan as well. I just happen to be Mr. Jack's wife, and I just happened to meet my baby's actual amazing loving mother, right? Um, it's it's my identity is not tied up in my marriage or motherhood. I still go to the movies by myself when I want to. I still work out for me. I'm going to Atlanta next weekend for a bodybuilding show because it's my favorite bodybuilder who's holding a show and I love her to death. You know, my husband and my child are not going with me. They'll be here in Virginia because I still have to nurture me. If you, And I'm saying all that to say this. If you are constantly or your partner is constantly putting the relationship first all the time and everything's about the relationship, that's toxic. A relationship is important and marriage is important and parenthood if you choose to go on that route is important but it's not you those are just things that you have gone into or decided to endeavor into it's not you so when you make the relationship everything Arvel, that's usually that codependence because sometimes people are codependent with the relationship not even the person they're in the relationship with they are determined to prove i'm worthy of love I am worthy of actually being married or I'm worthy of parenthood. So I need to do everything to make sure love and parenthood, but especially love goes great. So people can view me as, okay, Siobhan's doing something right because she's young thirties and she's married. Like that girl is good. And no, that has nothing to do with anything. So you want to be careful that the relationship is not 
everything. That makes sense. That makes great sense. And with that follow-up question, what advice would you give someone who is struggling to move forward on from a toxic relationship? The advice I would give is to realize that the toxicity is bigger than you. It's not you. Remember, the relationship is really what we're talking about is a dynamic. So you have person A plus person B. And the space that exists between them, the the love, the actions, the interactions, everything equals C, which is the relationship dynamic. That's what that is. So if you're in it, remember, it's bigger than you, even if for some reason, let's let's go ahead and play the blame game. All right. Let's say you are the toxic person and you have had a very big hand in bringing the relationship down. It still took two. It still took two of y'all together, right? So just remember that it's bigger than you. So you definitely will want to go to therapy to identify and to process and to understand everything that you did, your partner did, the decisions that were made together. I would give the advice of knowing that it's not the end as well. There is a possibility for you to still find love should you want to. But even if you want to, you still need to take time out for you. You still need to make sure that you are actually healing. And that is not just let me replace this one with the better one and then another one who's better than the last one. Because it doesn't matter how better the next partner is, you still haven't healed from what you went through with the old partners. So you're naturally subconsciously going to bring in that baggage into the new relationship. And if there's anything that the new relationship does that triggers you at all, then the old relationship stuff is going to be brought up with it and the new relationship stuff on top of that. And that's a fancy word for transference, or that's the definition of a fancy word named transference. You're literally transferring old stuff to the new stuff because the new stuff reminds you of the old stuff and now you got double the emotion because it's the old stuff's emotion you weren't dealing with and the new stuff emotion so the new person is dealing with a lot of stuff that is not even their fault they have nothing to do with it so you definitely want to not just start dating 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 dating. you know you want to get into healing but should you want love it's possible One toxic relationship doesn't have to just eliminate your possibility of love. Uh, Another thing I would give advice, you're trying to get out. You don't know what to do. Remember, your safety is key. So if you don't know how to safety plan, ask for help from your loved ones. Even if it comes down to changing your phone number. It's not about the physical number. It's more about the accessibility because Mm -hmm. they know a lot of loved ones have access to them or even the toxic person has access and they're trying to break out. But they're like, what if the toxic person changes? And like, what if we can be good and I have a new number and they can't have access to me, you know? So even if you need to change your number, if you need to change actual physical locations, if you need to move, that's fine. Also, if you need to get law enforcement involved, do so. I do know as a black woman, That is a very, very, very sore spot when it comes to present day 
America and police brutality, et cetera, and the safety of our black and brown people, especially men, if you're a woman and you're in a um, heterosexual relationship with the man, right? Cisgender heterosexual relationship, which is fancy words because you know what that means, y'all. Cisgender heterosexual, um, meaning you identify as what you were born. So I'm cis hetero. I was born as a woman. I identify as a woman and I'm a straight woman. I married to an actual cisgender man. Just in case, happy prize coming up. Um, but I know that's a, a sore subject, but y'all, you have to remember if you find yourself in a toxic and dangerous relationship and you need to get law enforcement involved, you are not responsible for whatever comes to that person's way. You didn't have them act out what they decided to do towards you. Getting law enforcement involved is about safety. Ironically, I'm saying it somewhat lightly, you know, but it is about safety. It's about accountability. And also it's about them getting the help that they need at some point as well, whether it's court ordered, et cetera. But it's really about your safety and what happens to them is not your fault, even if it's something that happens after you called. We have to make sure that you are okay. So if you need to get law enforcement involved, if you need to file a restraining order or get a police report, those things are going to be your best friend. Those are boundaries. You're creating a paper trail to show, hey, this situation has not been kind to me in case you do need it to escalate with restraining orders, et cetera. So please just remember safety is important and, and you got to get out at some point. Well, that that's great advice. I mean, this whole interview has been very eye-opening for me. I mean, just, you know, knowing more about gaslighting, the proper way to set boundaries, and to even recognize being in a toxic relationship. And I know many of us, if not all of us, have been in some type of toxic, whether it's with oh, another yeah. partner or with a family member or even a friend. Mm -hmm. You know, toxic is pretty much something everyone can kind of identify with. So yes. this interview was really really, uh, like I said, eye-opener. It just really explained a lot of things, even some of my past relationships, some of the signs and red flags you were telling me. And I'm like, yep, I've seen that. Yep, that happened. Yep. So this was really informal. And before I go, would you mind just telling everyone um, where they can connect with you online? Because this has been yes. great. Yes, thank you, Arvilla. Um, Everything is so simple. It's creating new counseling. So the name of my business is Create New Counseling Services. So online is just literally createnewcounseling.com. My Instagram is Create New Counseling. My Facebook is Create New Counseling. I just wanted to make it very simple for y'all. There's a contact form on my website, createnewcounseling.com. In case you would like any type of therapy services or life coaching services, or if you have any mental health questions, definitely reach out to me. My phone number is even on the website as well. If you're like, I don't want to fill up the form. I just want to call Siobhan. So you can do that. No problem at all. Um, I also have a journal that I think is amazing. Not because I created it, even though that's a little bit of it. It, it is about, <laughs> it's about understanding why you're thinking the way that you're thinking. And the name of it, and you can find it on my website. I have it right here is the road travel, my therapeutic journey. And it basically is a mental health accountability tool. A lot of times therapists will say, oh, just journal, write it down before our next session. And clients don't know where the heck to start. They're like, I want to write, but I just don't know how to write. 
So I took care of that for you, literally. If you're in therapy, there is a section here. Let me go to it for your therapy sessions, because sometimes you just forget what your therapist says. Honestly, I know I've been guilty of that when I go to therapy. I'm like, what did they tell me two weeks ago? So there's a part for that. But the my favorite part is really the accountability piece of it. So it's a tracker. So, oh, let me move this way. There we go. So every day, like there's a different daily quote. Oh, no, there we go. It's a different daily quote. Um, how you're going to command your day. What's the most exciting part of your day? What are triggers that you experienced? Uh, what was fulfilling? And there's a part for you to put your mood from morning, afternoon to evening. And then you have a place for your overall thoughts, what you need to improve. And my favorite, oh, wait, other way, there we go. My personal favorite part before you turn out the light, I create a different question for you every single night to reflect on. Some of them are about gratitude. There's even one that's like, what are you not telling your therapist? Because <laughs> sometimes you don't think about what you're hiding or what you're forgetting. Um, others, let's see, give you an example. What obstacles have you conquered? Um, list significant doubts you may have. Afterwards, list what can increase your actual belief in achieving the or eliminating the doubts. Um, you know, unplug for 30 minutes, write down your experience without connecting to any forms of technology or electronics. But there's something different for you every night. And it's great because you can bring it back to your therapist and remember, hey, since our last session, I forgot that this happened at work, blah, 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 blah. So you can find that on my therapy website, which is creativecounseling.com. And if you message me, I will message back, I assure you. <laughs> and I'll, I'll make sure that I leave everything you just said, um, your website, post your social media in the show notes. So if you guys didn't hear, um, just make sure you go to the show notes, click the links and you can get access to the journal. You can get access to her services. You can find her on social media. And that would just be the, the go to place if you didn't catch everything. But Siobhan, this has been an amazing interview. Um, you have given me more than expected. I mean, I think this will really help a lot of people identify what may have transpired in the past or maybe what they're currently going through. But it gives clear definition on exactly letting go of a toxic relationship. So thank you so much for your knowledge, you. uh, your experience and your background. I, I believe this is really going to help thank someone kind of at least get in the right direction. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And guys, I really mean it. If you are stuck or you don't even know how to get a friend out, please message me. I have no problem with that at all. And create a new, just want to spell it real quick, C-R-E-A-T-E-A-N-E-W-C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G. Create a new counseling. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful for you to allow me to use your platform to give people more insight about relationships. So thank you, Arvilla, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Not a problem. It is my pleasure as well. Ladies, I hope you guys really enjoyed this interview. Um, make sure if you know a friend or a family member that's currently going through this and you don't know how to talk to them, send them the link, either the YouTube right. link or one of the podcast link and let them hear them for themselves. You don't have to be the one that, you know, physically say it, but sometimes someone else hearing it may be the jumpstart they need to heal. Yes. So, till next time, ladies, you guys have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to a Second Chance at Life podcast. If this episode hasn't inspired you in any way, and you believe that someone can use it, make sure you share this episode. 
And if you have not already subscribed to this podcast, hit the subscribe button so that you'll be the first to know when a new episode drops. Until next time, have a great week.